Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Jordan Morgan, former big man for the University of Michigan. He subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's get started. Taylor, welcome back. Uh, I'm I'm still catching my breath from that halftime show. Good God. One of the – probably the greatest – I'm ready to say the greatest halftime show in Super Bowl history. Just so much ass everywhere. J-Lo, Shakira, breathtaking. I've run out of descriptors for what we witnessed Sunday night. And in Miami, no less. The only thing that could have made it better was Pitbull. We didn't get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the biggest takeaway I had from the halftime show was, did I not realize that Jennifer Lopez was that tall compared to Shakira? Because she was like, uh, what's the word? Like, just towering over Shakira. I That was my uh, biggest takeaway outside of what you said, of course. But I I didn't realize that there was going to be quite the height difference between the, between the two of them. The one part at the end when they're on the stage, both shaking their cabooses, I imagine uh, if there's ever a heart attack for our good friend, Tarun Subramanian, <laughs> it, it is, I could see it happening with a scene like that where he's just locked in a room, clockwood, 
clockwork orange style eyes <clears throat> forced to be open and he just has a heart attack in that spot like the like the coach in uh, major league when he's screaming in the locker room that's how you're going out right there that that on repeat on a loop that's a hell of a way to go out and you know nfl network they always will replay the super bowl right after the game something like that just replay the halftime show i, I don't care about what patrick mahomes did in the fourth quarter i don't care uh, what what happened those other three quarters? All I care about is that electric performance between J Lo and and Shakira. And of course, they come out with the hits. She Wolf to kick it off. I mean, that's how you set the tone early. I uh I got I bet Jenny from the block plus eight hundred as J Lo's first song, and I was fired up. That was as fired up as I was for the whole game. You know, uh, when when she start was on the pole and started singing Jenny from the block. That was my biggest prop win yesterday by far, by far. Cause Demi Lovato fucked us by just absolutely cruising through the national anthem. Like take your time. Let it, Surpri- bre- let it breathe a little, you know, <laughs> she just, she hammered through that thing. Surprising the m- number of hits that I just love out of both JLo and Shakira. When JLo went with the, um, I don't even know the name of the song, but the on the floor back in 11, back in 11, I was tearing it. Oh, okay. I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah, that one. And then, I mean, you got Shakira playing the Africa song. That was, that was money. There was one J-Lo song that I didn't, that I didn't even recognize though. Uh, I, if I knew it, I would say it, but I didn't know it. And that's what I was surprised about. I'm like, what the hell song is this? The songs were just icing on the cake. I mean, we were really just there for pretty much everything else. I mean, they're fantastic musicians and, and great singers, but it was just a, the culmination of, of all. I mean, we knew when it was, it was announced that they were going to be headlining it in Miami. We knew this was going to be an awesome performance. And they, they met expectations. That's one of the toughest things to do. Meeting expectations, Shakira and J-Lo knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, to, to the Sharks' point, I was Pavlovin a little bit. I mean, we got we got Harvey Denting. We got Ned Yosting. Coach Yosting, excuse me. Ned Yost is like the Brewers baseball manager, isn't he? <laughs> 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 what the hell am I <laughs> oh, No, that's Craig it's super. <laughs> it, it's, it's Super Bowl Monday, Subi. Don't worry. It's Yeah, it, it's uh, Times I don't are know where the hell and I am. We were mentally anguished from the last week here. Or last yeah, I, I got nothing. But to Shark's point, I mean, I was spellbound at this Super Bowl party yesterday. Just picture buff chick dip coming out of my slack jawed <laughs> like mouth. It was it was something else. But hell of a halftime performance. Uh, Taylor, you were at the Phoenix Open. Notoriously, in my opinion, the greatest weekend in in all of Phoenix every single year. Waste management open goes on. It's always on the same weekend as the Super Bowl. So if you're lucky enough to have your team in that as well, uh, you can enjoy the weekend even more. So tell us about tell us about the open. Incredible as per usual. It's uh, speaking of meeting expectations. I feel like the Phoenix Open always meets or exceeds expectations of of having a good time, and I think that they do such a good job of like just adding so much new shit every year. So usually it's traditionally, let's call it a tradition. Unlike any other for us golf fans out there is uh, uh, Subi, you and I have done this a number of times is wake up at like four 30 in the morning and start hammering mimosas or, or 
CL Smooths or whatever, and then getting to the, the tournament early to get a spot on 16. And that's the party hole. Now, this year, because I'm a man of the people, I wanted to get there a couple days early and scout out what was new this year. So we actually found uh, a new tent where there was a DJ and like cabanas and TVs and two full bars on both on, on, you know, multi-level in between 17 and 10, which are um, notoriously the overflow holes for uh, the 16th hole. So they get pretty crazy as well, but yeah, it's uh, so we were, uh, we were making drinking bets and dollar bets. So we're doing dollar bets with closest to the pin. And so, but you had to pick your guy, when he started the 10th the, the hole. So you couldn't wait till he was in the fairway. And then, so that was dollar bets. I was wearing a, a large, um, like not what's, what are those hats called? Like woven sun hats. Uh, so I had dollars stuck in like the rope of it. Um, and then we were taking drinks for every chick that we saw in a romper, which was every chick at the event. Yeah. Uh, That's the official and- uniform. Yeah, right. Every girl that we and there were a lot of male rompers this year too, which was really you couldn't catch a break in terms of that drinking game. Uh, every a drink for every time you saw uh, high heels, which was a lot. But then the best one was is we were positioned on a hill in the shade, so it was still still a little bit of dew on the grass there, and so it was finish your drink every time someone ate it, and uh, we got five people to fall in front of us during the, the Phoenix Open. So yeah, just a great day. We went Friday, Saturday. I went, I went Wednesday by myself within uh, my girlfriend and I went Friday and then we went with a big group on Saturday and then Super Bowl Sunday. So it's safe to say I passed out before my normal bedtime, three consecutive days uh, here this week. A lot of beers before noon That's how <laughs> over it the goes. last three days. That's yeah. how it goes. Shark, you got any desire to head out to Scottsdale for that open? Could, could be on your bucket list. Not for the open, but this this is the one year anniversary of one of the all time moves I made when I had a flight to San Diego last year for the Super Bowl. Um, connecting, well, I guess layover is the term used in the industry. Layovers in Phoenix. Subi lived in Phoenix. I get off the plane. I walk up to American Airlines. I say, "Hey, can you bump my connecting flight a little bit later in the day?" She says, "Sure, why not?" I hop in an Uber. I go over to your house. We watch the Super Bowl. I catch the the late last flight out of Phoenix to get to San Diego. So, all time move. Just getting a free trip to Phoenix for no reason. So that was didn't did have I time not, to squeeze in the open. But did I not watch the Super Bowl with you last year? No, I didn't. No. I didn't. Yeah, right. I was going to say, yeah. How did I miss that? But I, had I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Shark yeah, and yeah. a few others were were in town. A hell of a move. I actually completely forgot about that move there from the shark. So I appreciate you reminding me. And then the second, like the the last kneel down happened. I think Shark Gone. was out. Had that, had that Uber on deck waiting for me. Couldn't miss that flight. That's how you travel. That's a power move right there. In and out. In and out. Uh, another thing I want to touch base about over this weekend is. Uh, I had an all-time tweet, and it really didn't get the traction that it deserved. And so, Shark, you're actually you're you're sort of coming into the your own on Twitter. You're building your your battalion, your your loyal group of 26, 27 followers. Oh, 29, my friend. Almost 29. at 30. Almost at 30. But at this rate, we're really growing right now. It's good. That's big. Good group. Exponential growth is what we're looking for. So I, I want your thoughts on on this excellent tweet 
that I had because I really did think it was going to get a lot more traction. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma played on Saturday, but there was a game-winning shot in Tulsa. And so I said, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are playing, but the bedlam was found in Tulsa. And I think it got like two retweets and a favorite, which, you know, to some, this might be a humble brag, but it should have done better because I commented in a thread where many eyes can see this. And to be honest with you, I'm just disappointed, not in myself, because, again, it was a great tweet. I'm disappointed in the general population, Shark. I it, I think it's too cheesy, too dad, too much of a dad joke right there. Just playing off of, like, the name of a game and using it in a sentence. Uh, no. I thought it was great. I responded, I responded to the tweet. Your, yeah. your, your better tweet was the Brad Underwood and uh, Luca Garza combining into a jersey. Just such a preposterous mind that you have over there. What would you like to tell them what that was? Uh, yeah, so this was the day after you came on. Is there an echo? Am I talking with an echo in here? I mean, I just moved apartments, so it seems like there's an echo among them. I'm playing on the road, but technically it's a home game. <laughs> I can't figure this out. If there's an echo, I'm sorry. All right. Um, anyways, back to the good tweet that you had. So you, you, this was the day after you came out of your big diet, you know, so the, and you, you self-proclaimed the previous day that you were hitting the Bud Light Platinums a little bit too hard early on in the day. So obviously your mind's going to be a little loopy when you wake up on Sunday, obviously on Sunday, Iowa was playing Illinois, two teams that you've been advocating all year two individuals who are probably your favorite individuals in the sport so far this year, and Brad Underwood and Luca Garza, and you tweeted the following. <clears throat> Can't stress enough how conflicted I am with this Illinois-Iowa game. Like two of my children going at it. Someone split those two jerseys and sew them together to make one. Last name will read under Garza. <laughs> Just such an insane thought process. And imagine if you are in an arena and somebody meshed the two jerseys of not the head coach who obviously does not have a Jersey and another one who's just a guy um, who's a good player. They have no connection to each other whatsoever, other than the fact that they play in the same conference. So I, I appreciated it. Uh, it seems like other people did not because it has no likes at all on Twitter, but I thought it was a money tweet better than that other one you're talking about. What if you, what if you combined half of a suit jacket, and then Garza, and you put the name on the back of the suit jacket, and maybe that would maybe make a little more sense. I was gonna say though, that was like the Subramanian Bowl right there. That's like your two; those are your two teams right there. I mean, I'm an Iowa guy as well as we know, but you've been you have been pushing the Illinois bandwagon. You were the first person on the Illinois bandwagon in July or whenever the hell that was. So. Yeah, I was a little I was a little worried if that, you know, how you were going to make it out of that game. Lose-lose situation, man. I felt like uh, Sonia Curry. I, I felt like Mrs. Curry right then in that. Is it Sonia? Dell's wife? I, I felt think, like her, though. I think I mean, so. You feel like, you feel like AJ, AJ Hawk's wife or sister who was dating Brady Quinn got the split jersey. The only reason I went with undergars is because no other Illinois – player would have been like the, the term undergarments just reminds you of undergarment it's kind of funny but I'm, I can't can't go with like co-garza or something like that or or garburn Gar you don't have, you don't have to worked. explain it it was a phenomenal tweet i i wish more people appreciated it like i did so gars garza would maybe no undergarments yeah. okay yeah i don't I, yeah i 
Undercars is the only move. There. Sorry that I can't come up with a preposterous way to combine two completely random names, but well, okay. Take you know. three weeks off from drinking and have six Bud Light Platinums and then see how you feel the morning after. And this is what pops out. That's the recipe for success. He's he's absolutely right. What you see on my Twitter timeline. And actually, uh, I ripped the Band-Aid off on Saturday. And this whole month, being dry, I've just had nothing to do but watch college basketball and refresh the ESPN score app. So I've been tweeting out theater as it happens. Come to find out it's a lot more difficult when you're not sober and you're just tired and lethargic and I'm like uh, way too drunk and, and not sober enough right now to sift through all of the, the scores in division one basketball. You kind of put yourself in a bad spot. That That's kind of like a, that's an over promise under deliverer no matter how good you do, because you, that means that on Saturday from 10 a.m. or whenever the game start in, in Chicago, 11 a.m. your time until 11 p.m. all day, you can't leave the house. You, you, you can't. You have to have your phone in front of you. You almost have to, like, bring an iPad with you, like, to the bar. And, like, if you go out and I don't know, I don't know. That's a you, you really went out of your way to uh, make it life difficult on yourself for that yeah well so that's do you guys remember when i texted you and it was really just in in hopes of you saying no don't tweet out all all division one hoops (laughs) i even like framed the question yeah you don't think i should tweet all d1 hoops right just top 25 and both of you were just kind of like ah go for it i I think you should do all of division one so i kind of pitched myself and now here i am uh but yeah saturday the other six days i can do other six days are pretty manageable. I'm relatively sober Monday through Friday. And then, you know, Friday night's really not a big night for, for college hoops anyway. But Saturday, when it comes, it comes. And speaking of Saturday, let's get into some of the games. Huge, huge day in the Big East. A lot of wackiness. Uh, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Butler, all ranked teams, all lose at home on Saturday to, honestly, inferior opponents. Xavier's not as good as Seton Hall. Creighton's not as good as Villanova, although Creighton is on a roll right now. And then Providence, who's had their fair share of troubles, goes into Butler. And actually, Taylor, last episode, the Shark and I were discussing who are we a little bit more apprehensive or concerned about? Is it Butler or is it Auburn? And in just a week's time, we see Auburn get a great win at home against Kentucky. Meanwhile, Butler sort of continues to struggle for over these past few weeks. But I'll bring in the Shark first. Because this is me kind of like playing twister with this logic, it, just really going out of my way to troll. Uh, but at the end of the day, facts are the facts. My predicted Big East Coach of the Year, Travis Steele, waltzed in, crip walked into Orange, New Jersey, technically Newark, excuse me. I know that because I keep looking at all the goddamn score apps and seeing where the theater is. But Travis Steele goes into Newark, New Jersey, and beats the pants off of Kevin Willard's Seton Hall team. Shark, your response. You're just scraping the bottom of the barrel to find any type of moral victory you possibly can for your atrocious predictions all year. If your one bragging moment is that you're underachieving, <laughs> underwhelming pick to be the Big East coach of the year, um, beat Seton Hall, and you want to chalk that up for a victory, then by all means, go ahead and chalk that up for a victory. But I, again, I here I am some three days later still wondering what it is you're bragging about. And as for Seton Hall, I'm sure I'm anticipating you guys are going to come at me, both Seton Hall, Oregon, my guys, they lost. It was a tough weekend, but here's my response to that preemptive response. I don't even count this weekend at all. This was not this college basketball weekend doesn't count at all. One last day of January dog days of January, as you put it last episode, Sue, 
does not count. I this is something I did personally in my life. I was logging some minutes, some Mike Timlin 2005 type innings with the Red Sox and what I did with my personal life. I was, you know, logging hours, logging innings with the significant other. I went out family event with her. Don't tell her I'm telling talking about this, but like it's a Saturday night. We're gathered around with family and we're not watching Auburn versus Kentucky. We're watching like photos from a trip where people went scuba diving and we're doing the slideshow. And that was my Saturday night. So Mike Timlin, I got the fighting necklace on. Like I know it's January 31st. None of these games matter. Seton Hall knows it doesn't matter. Oregon knows it doesn't matter. It wasn't real. So to the extent that you want to call me out for any of that stuff, to the extent that you want to brag about Travis Steele finally doing something, I don't care. It's February now. I'm about to lock back in, and I'm probably going to find some more winners, just like I did with Seton Hall and Oregon. So Goodbye. just real real quick no. here, Shark, two things before we bring in Taylor as well. Uh, one, I'm not scraping the bottom of the barrel. It was the very first game on Saturday. It was at the very top of the barrel. I didn't have to look very hard for it whatsoever. Rothstein even, even said, I love that it's uh, this 11 a.m. start tip time. Uh, number two, I do love a good montage slash slideshow. So – I, 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 you know, you should consider yourself lucky if you're, you could spend your time a lot worse ways, especially with family. And actually, number three, uh, I'm not going to come at you for Seton Hall because we're Seton Hall supporters as well. Oregon, on the other hand, might come after you. But I did tell you that Stanford was going to win that game. Taylor, any thoughts on Xavier and uh, going into Seton Hall and winning? Well, so my first thought as I'm like <clears throat> watching and score as well I'm at the Phoenix Open then obviously I kind of drifted from my focus on the scores there but when I was looking back I'm like man bad day for a Sharks boys all across the board here uh uh Louisville wins even Ohio State wins Michigan State loses Seton Hall loses, Oregon loses. Like, man, that was uh, that was a lot of Michigan Sharks. State lost to Wisconsin, though. So that one kind of canceled itself. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's excuse, true. Excuse me. Excuse me. You see, this is what happens if you let this guy just go do whatever, say whatever he wants on this show. I, I, the last show of the year, he's going to be like, no, I predicted that team was going to do it's going to be all of his predicted teams playing each other. And he'd be like, oh, well, this, these aren't actually losses. That wins. That, I, I actually I had one of those games as well. Uh, let me try and look that up, but continue there, Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, surprise, you know, really the board, man, almost every like underdog covered on Saturday, at least in, in the, you know, the notable games. That's betting perspective. I wasn't betting on Saturday, but just saying, like, the teams that. No one really ran away with any games that they should have. Uh, you know, Baylor played well, you know, um, and uh, San Diego State even had a close one with Utah State. Texas Tech almost went into, into Lawrence and almost beat Kansas. Uh, shoot, even Gonzaga without Killian Tilly had a tough one, uh, only winning by four in San Francisco. But, um, yeah, the Big East kind of got flipped on its head in a way, but at the same time, your losses don't mean nearly as much if you're Butler and Seton Hall and Villanova, if everybody else also lost too. You know, that was right there even with you, meaning the, the three ranked teams at the top of the Big East there. So um, I, I think it was kind of a crazy day, but I'm not sure it's going to 
really make all that much of a difference in the end because all the teams that are trying to catch Seton Hall or the three closest teams trying to catch Seton Hall also lost too, which is kind of like a microcosm of this whole year of college basketball. Right. Oh, you're, you're right. And uh, the game I was referring to that was a win-win was NC State hosting Louisville. That, that was a win-win because either Keith wins or Louisville wins. So I think we, we're getting to that point now in conference play where all of our teams – know that we love are just facing off against one another but uh, in addition to Seton Hall losing Villanova lost to Creighton I actually thought this was one of the more shocking results of the entire year thus far because Villanova on a Saturday in Philadelphia uh, that mid-afternoon game or early afternoon game I should say they're automatic they never lose that game it seems like and they've been on a roll recently ranked in the top 10, quietly performing, Colin Gillespie. I know you guys are, Shark, you and our, our other friend are saying Colin Gillespie should be first-team Big East player of the year over Marcus Howard. That's another discussion for a different day. Never but, said that. Miles Powell. Okay, fine. Mark, Still another another discussion. I wouldn't, put Marcus, I wouldn't put Marcus Howard on the third-team Big East. Yeah, it's because you're a hack. You're, know, you're unbelievable. He's like, you are he, a hack. He's proven to be just an empty calorie type player, fake numbers, just fluffy numbers, puts him up. In the game that they played against <laughs> Butler, he gets he gets hurt, doesn't play. They come back, they win without him. He I mean, that is true, but uh, th- that was that was tough for my argument. But uh, you can say that he's an empty stack guy, but it's still good enough to make first team Big East, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he but anyway, 30, he had he had thirty one on Saturday. No, he's he always. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing that he win. doesn't put up numbers. I'm not arguing doesn't put up numbers. I'm arguing that they're fake numbers. I'm arguing that they could plug and play anyone and you can put up those numbers and they're going to still end up having 10 losses every single year. It's not a difference maker for me. Sorry. All right. Then that's, that's when I pivot and blame Woj. But again, separate conversation. I want to talk Villanova losing to, to Creighton at home. That, this was kind of a, a handle game for, for Creighton. It wasn't very close at all. Char- or Taylor, do you have any thoughts from Villanova and Creighton? Well, you said it best right there. I mean, they didn't just eke out a win they straight up beat Villanova handily the game was you know a a double digit game for a lot of the game and almost the entirety of the second half and uh, Creighton ended up winning by a 15 I can't really put my finger on how I feel about Creighton they are 17 and 5 and 6 and 3 in conference I mean they've got the they've got the record they've got the the numbers to back it up but I think it's my thought on Creighton is a lot like you know, shoot, 25 other teams in the country is. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I love but, their what, point but, what is, but what does that mean, though? I don't, I, you know, I don't know. So, obviously, it's an awesome win, and that's kind of uh, like a prove-it win or a statement win to say, yeah, we're here, too, you know. And uh, I was actually talking to some Villanova guys at the Phoenix Open on Friday, and we were talking about how good of a run that Nova was on, Jay Wright's the man, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's, you know, awesome. And then Jeremiah Robinson Earl goes 0 of 7 from the field against Creighton, you know. So um, I would say that it's probably like a bigger win for Creighton than it is a loss for Villanova. Villanova knows how to recover from this stuff, even though home losses are pretty uncommon for them. Um, And I know they're younger than a normal Villanova team, but they still got Jay Wright. And that's pretty much all the answer that you, you need about if 
you know, if, if I'm worried about them and by any means. Yeah. Two biggest things I took from this game. One, I love Creighton's little point guard, Zagorowski or something like that. Pulowski, one of those Alski names at the end. I love him. I, I think he could hit a, a couple big shots and come tournament time with Gus on the call or something like that. Uh, in addition, though, the biggest upset that took place in Philadelphia on that day was not the actual game, but it was Jay Wright's suit. I don't know if you saw, but it ripped. It split in the back. And Jay Wright, who is always lauded as the best-dressed coach in college basketball, everyone looks up to him. And, I mean, when that happened, I think you just had to throw in the towel if you're a Villanova. If Jay Wright's not even going to come dressed properly, if he's going to be ripping suits, it's not your day whatsoever. So those are the two biggest things I took from the game. Shark, thoughts on Nova and Creighton? All about, all about Creighton in this one. Don't care about the suit. Creighton is officially on my radar. Love this team. They, they're in the top 25 in three-point shooting percentage. They've got three guards. All Their top scorers all shoot like 80% from the free throw line. This is a great tournament team to back early on. So, Sub, you hit the nail on the head. Zegarowski, love that guy. He's from Massachusetts. Uh, and their resume is, you know, they're 17-5, and five, but they've played a pretty tough out-of-conference schedule. They went on the road ASU. They've beaten Oklahoma. They've beaten Texas Tech. Um, they lost to San Diego State by 30 points. But, I mean, That's all right. their only losses are really Michigan, San Diego State, Butler, and Nova. Yeah. yeah. Georgetown. So and they're, they're, and they're a good squad. They moved up to 21 this week, too. So they're, they're getting some recognition for it as well. Uh, Marquette, speaking of empty numbers – Marquette moved up. They're almost in the top twenty-five. So I don't know how empty oh, someone's numbers you know can be when they're when they're only when they're literally a top twenty-seven. I'll, I'll get you. You know, I'll send you over a banner. You can hang it up in your office, just like <laughs> I did when I bodied too. <laughs> Not bodied. Okay. It just the fact that you don't even think Marcus Howard deserves a spot at the table. I mean, well, okay. give him I'll, a place I'll, setting. I'll admit I'm exaggerating my point a little bit. Like obviously he's going to be higher than third team all Big East, but. I think he's not as good as his numbers suggest. That's generally my thesis here. That's if right. you guys really want me to boil it down. But Taylor, keep bragging about how they're almost in the top 25. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, I mean, I, I did get burned by Marcus Howard last year. I thought him and Marquette were going to beat John Morant and Murray State, and that did not come to fruition can I, whatsoever. Can I say one more thing real quick right here? Funniest thing about the uh, Big East right now and how chaotic it is is that DePaul is one and eight, so they start out so hot, and now they're just terrible again. Uh, it's good. so sad, man. I'm so upset. <laughs> I want to be around a winner. Who's your boy on DePaul, Sub? Pantel Reed. Paul Reed. Oh, Paul Reed. No, I got no, a lot of no, boys. No, Pantel is there. You know that ever since he tweeted that he would shave his head if they missed the tournament, they're only like four and nine or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I like to think that it's not necessarily the shaved head tweet, but not responding to my outreach. Uh, yeah, as I say, he he was like supposed to be a friend of the program because we were out here. That's actually is it? Is this the theater and college hoops curse? Is this the first theater and college hoops curse? The kiss of Titch. I mean, <laughs> come on our program. You got you got Burgo going to the fucking Final Four. He just beat Kentucky. Luckily, we're going to have Burgo next episode as well. We plan to at least. But I don't know, Pantelis. Do you want a Final Four berth or not? Talk to yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's really all up to him at this point, you know. Speaking of the Big East as well, Taylor, if we hearken back to our offseason predictions, again, must be noted that the Shark was, was absent during that. But uh, we were talking about the Big East, and we were saying, I'm not sure if they're going to get five or six teams. And there were about three teams that we were like, okay, one, only one of these three teams is going to get in. 
and it was between like Creighton, Georgetown, and I'm forgetting someone else. Uh, maybe it was Marquette, but I had said, I don't believe in Georgetown. I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily believe in Creighton. I think you may have vouched for Creighton and they're for sure a, a tournament lock at this point now. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I'd have to go back and look. I want to think that I predicted the Big East to have the most teams you did. in any conference. And, yeah. and, I, and let's see, if you look at it right now, there's a legitimate argument for at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, almost down to eight. Even Georgetown's not going to make it. So that would that was like my eighth fringe team. I said if there was going to be there was going to be an eighth team it would be Georgetown. Well, they, but, they, speaking of Georgetown, they also lost like two of their best players during the year of transfer. Right, and then obviously Providence has underperformed this year. So you're really looking more at like a six team out of the uh, out of the um, the Big East. But it, I'm not particularly surprised that of what we have right now. More than halfway through. Uh, am I surprised that like all three team, all three of the higher ranked teams lost at home and all that? Yeah, sure, but uh, it's not surprising to me that you know Marquette's right there. It's not surprising to me that Xavier's there. It's not surprising to me that Creighton's there because you know they they were kind of a uh, yeah my team that I thought hey that's that's going to be the surprise team in this conference. So and I mean they they're awesome at home. They're twelve and one at home. They've the best you know tied with Villanova now. For, and Marquette for you know the best home uh, record in the conference, uh, yeah. And you know they're all pretty much even when it comes to um, wins over ranked teams. Only Butler doesn't have a win over a ranked team. It looks like in that whole conference, which is kind of crazy. I just love the collection of coaches in the Big East. You got got, and I'm gonna concede. Obviously, Kevin Willard is a good coach. You got Willard. You got. Ed Cooley, who can still coach his ass off despite them being pretty down this year. Greg McDermott, uh, Laval Jordan, Jay Wright, of course. There's just such a good collection of coaches in the Big East that are going to make teams uh, perform well. Even Mike Anderson at St. John's this year has done a tremendous job. Uh, he's right. got them on the bubble, I think. So You know, uh, every, time, every time we want, we think, I mean, Providence is dead. But every time the final nail in the coffin is supposed to go in, they eke out a pretty a decent win, and you're like, okay, maybe they could run off a couple here, you know. And then every time that the that we think they're going to potentially do that, then they lose some random game to some shitty team. I'd say nail is never fully in the coffin until you lose in your conference tournament, unless you're like a no name team. But Providence has shown over the course of the past few years that they can actually get to the tournament uh i i have written them off i don't think they're going to win the big east tournament but it's never truly truly 100 in but good segue i appreciate that let's talk providence butler shark last week on the program we were discussing again who are we more concerned about in in terms of butler and auburn and i think we both agreed that both of those teams are not in a great space butler though uh we were a little bit higher on than we were auburn does this does saturday change your your thoughts on them are you a little lower on them now uh, no, I, I just, Butler is going to end up getting in anywhere from and being a seven to a 10 seed and they're going to be dangerous no matter who they play. So that, that's just the Butler way at this point. I think they belong more in that, in that environment more so than a, uh, in the four to five seed range anyway. So I, it's just a matter of making sure they're playing their, their best ball at the right time. So they've done enough to make sure that they're going to get an at-large bid, assuming they don't physically collapse towards the end of this. Um, I still like them. I think they're going to be a team that if they do get a seven seed, I think they're going to be 
perfectly positioned for like that 10-7 quote-unquote upset, which usually those teams are actually pretty even. But Butler just doesn't score the ball. They're only averaging, I think they're averaging under 70 points a game this year, which is something in like the bottom third of bottom quarter of the whole country. That's the exact type of team that gets that plays someone like John Morant, for example, and John Morant scores 35 points or something like that, or just pick any of the mid-major, you know, guys that have a, a, just one stud that can put up like 30-something points, and that really is all you would need to, to, to beat that team. They're really good defensively, don't get me wrong, and they don't exactly play – a lot of that is they don't exactly play fast, so their pace is pretty slow. But as Bill Walton says, offense wins championships, and I don't know if they have – I think they kind of look to me as the team that's really going to be a good upset pick or upset against, you know, that losing to a higher seed come, come tournament time. I think yeah, there's just something about them where they're statistically, they're never going to average a ton of points, but they just know how to score points in big moments. So I always hearken back to the game. Remember they were, they were probably an 11 seed. I'm trying to remember who it was when they had Roosevelt Jones, who was going oh. into his, his eighth year at Butler. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to pull it right now, but whatever his last game was, where it was just back and forth and back and forth against a really, really good. It might have been Duke actually. Now that I think about it, um, but that's just Butler. You know, they they know how to score in in March. Kamar Baldwin too is going to have to be huge for them. And I guess the only saving grace for Butler is that they're getting all their shitty play out during yeah. the time of the season. You don't want to be playing like this end of February. So they have an entire month really to to figure it out. But to the Sharks' point, uh, they got to start playing for seeding now, right? So are they going to be between that 7 and 10 seed or are they going to make a late surge and maybe get to the 4 or 5 line? That's still to be determined. And then you have these other like mid-major teams that presumably are not going to lose. I, I know we don't necessarily consider Butler a mid-major with them being in the Big East, but – at its heart, at the core of what Butler basketball is. They're the scrappy mid-major underdog. But then you look at a team like San Diego State, who is still yet to lose. Yeah, Gonzaga, who they'll always maybe play some of these close games against the Dons and uh, some other West Coast Conference teams, but they're never actually going to lose. Maybe they'll get picked off one time, but they're not going to fall below Butler. So, you know, it was, it was against have no- to- yeah, it was against Notre Dame that game with Roosevelt Jones. Was that a tournament was, game? Yeah, it was the, when Notre Dame was really good. When they had Maddie Farrell and Bonzi uh, Colson and all the, one of the Grants, all those guys, and Roosevelt Jones, I think had a bad knee too, so he was moving slower than he normally would. But he was just finding ways to get buckets. So it was a really, really good game. One of those, one of those matchups. But that's Butler, man. Kamar Baldwin's gonna be doing the same thing this year. They're gonna have McDermott and big threes. Don't bet against him. I'm trying Wait. to think of that matchup again. Was Bonzi Colson on that Notre Dame team? Because looking yeah, at it, watching Bonzi, oh, you did okay. Yeah. Bonzi Colson versus Rosie Jones, oh, two undersized too. fat guys just going at it. Soup, is this the game that uh, it was a Saturday night? I remember that much back and forth. That yes, in your parlay. Soup, you know this game, mm. okay? So sorry, I, I, I hate to be this guy because nobody cares about your fantasy football team. Nobody gives a shit about your bets that you made. Whatever, okay? No, this so, was especially painful. Yeah, Subi and I are sitting there, and we've at least polished off a full thirty rack because it's the end of the day, right? And I have, I have almost hit a home run, right? I have peeled through eleven games of a parlay, and we did, <laughs> and we need Notre Dame. By four, and I win like nineteen thousand bucks, and we were gonna go shut Old Town the fuck down that night, right? 
Zach Augusty goes to the free throw line with seven seconds left, up five. And I'm like, we're going to do it. I'm like on the floor, right? And he misses the free throw short, the front end of a one and one. And because there's no way they can come back, they let Notre Dame lets Cameron Woods go all the way down the court with five seconds left and dunk at the buzzer to (laughs) to win by three. And I lost it. I like threw my shoe up against our glass window. Like I was, I was like in tears. It was, I'm I'm, I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. You got to start hedging more, dude. You got a lot of stories about losing on the back last leg. I know. I know. Well, but, and then the problem is though, is like it, when you do those big parlays, it's tough to hedge because all the games are ending like at the same time, you know? So sorry. I had to, I just know that was, I I can't believe you brought that specific game up (laughs) because that was like an extremely memorable moment there at the old Subi Dammel household there. Zach Augustine, man. What, Zach August, whatever, however you pronounce it, not worth remembering how to pronounce it, of course, for, for Taylor, but that was, (laughs) that was a brutal, brutal, all we have to do is hit one. That's it. All we have to do. We could have pushed and been fine, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, oh, I'm looking yeah. at the play-by-play right now. Some of these names are hysterical. Zach Augusty, Keelan Martin, Cameron Woods, like you had mentioned. Demetrius Jackson. Didn't didn't the Celtics draft Demetrius nope. Jackson? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some of these names are fantastic. Speaking of free throws, yeah. though, and this Butler-Providence game, fucking uh, Luan Pipkins is a 97 pre- – he's missed one free throw all year. <laughs> And so it's, last week I started this game. It's like Luann Pipkins, more automatic than a Tony Reale and black button down at the line. That's what Luann Pipkins is. What did I say this past week? And I, for, I forget, but can you like more automatic than cookies and milk? What is more <laughs> automatic than a Luann Pipkins free throw? Can we brainstorm here? Uh, Taylor no. drinking a lot of beers at the Phoenix Open. You know, that's a, you know that's going to happen. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're putting us on the spot here. You're the one that you had time to prep for this statement. We didn't. Okay. I wanted so. I wanted live reactions. I, I think I'm just fixated on the Around the Horn cast. I'm trying to work something in with Bob Ryan and his yellow teeth or uh, more automatic know. than Jackie Mack and wearing – never never think out loud all right never yeah. think out loud let's move on to the next topic the women can I actually can i can i take the next topic right here i feel, talk to me i feel passionate about something here this is a fluid program all right so i want to talk about um wisconsin specifically kobe king so mm-hmm. the i want to caveat everything i'm about to say by saying if it comes out that he has severe mental health issues or some any type of condition there then remove everything i just said but this guy kobe king who you should know who he is he's an average player on wisconsin who's the number two recruited player out of wisconsin when he got recruited there he's a hometown guy he literally quit in the middle of the season middle of the season announcing that he's going to transfer and it came off the heels of him playing against I think it was the Iowa game when they were getting blown out um and he was crying at halftime literally the next day he quit the team I can't believe it and like people are coming to support him and saying Greg Gard is you know his system is so terrible for the state of Wisconsin you're losing elite talent Greg Gard this Greg Gard that that on the topic of Greg Gard so much Dennis Solari and Greg Gard you can take that one Sue who the hell is Dennis Uh, Solari 
Dennis Soleri from the commercial. Commercials, yeah. All you've been doing, all you you just told us, all you've been doing is watching TV for a month in a row, and you haven't seen the Dennis Soleri commercial. How do you not have you haven't seen Dennis Soleri, AT and T, the tax guy? Just okay is not okay. Dennis Soleri, he's been spending a lot of time in the Caymans. Uh, oh my god! Um, you, you, you'll, you'll uh, okay, continue on, Shark. Continue on. Yeah. So, anyways, Dennis Solari looks just like Greg Gard, but this guy, Kobe King, quits the team, leaving, starts running Greg Gard's name through the mud, talking about how he's mean to me. This here's a piece on the Athletic. Look how mean he is to me. And then they go out and they beat Michigan State at home. Wisconsin is back. Oh, is that was he the? just the the thorn in the side of the team he's i i I know you say he's an average player and you're not wrong but he is the second leading scorer on wisconsin which is only 10 points a game but i would expect him to be better when when you're that highly recruited and you're like a wisconsin god i would i would expect you to be a little better and they beat michigan state without brad davison too yeah yeah who's a punk but yeah that it's kind of was he suspended for that game because yeah, of what he did yeah, 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 okay. yeah. he was suspended by the conference by the big 10 so I, i'm actually glad that you wanted to talk about this game because how disappointed are you this year if you're a michigan state fan i don't know if you are though this is what this is Why? kind of what they do they they stink in the beginning of the year typically but it's, i mean were they world beaters last year when they went to the well Final i Four? mean they were the but to come in as like the were they the unanimous number one team or whatever number one team as in the close as you're going to get year. to that? Yeah, and they had the yeah the f- overwhelming favorite for national player of the year, they and they're the, first in the Big Ten of that has the most teams in the tournament thus far. Like, what are you talking? Uh, I mean, who cares? Well, but yeah, fun. you're sure, but your your expectation as a Michigan State fan was probably to be on the top of the college basketball world. And why I'm saying it, why I'm bringing Michigan State up, I think there's a number of schools that can probably be a little maybe disappointed with where they're at right now, specifically because nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, Gonzaga, Baylor, San Diego State, Kansas, are I think clearly the four best teams in the country, right? So, I but teams outside of that where it's like, geez, nobody's See, I, taking I, I don't agree with that point right there. Well, whatever. That's yeah. that, that, just so what I'm trying to say is a team like Michigan State should have been able to take this particular year of college basketball by the reins and say, no, we're the best team in the country. And there really hasn't been a team – Outside of yeah, like Baylor and Gonzaga, that's gone. The whole season is a mess. They, we're gonna Baylor. take it. We're gonna take it by you know by storm here. And I think that no, like if they're, I'm a Michigan, they're taking it because they play an easy schedule. Michigan State, three of their losses are against sure. three teams. Baylor's not playing Duke. Baylor's not playing Kentucky. Gonzaga's not playing Duke. Gonzaga, if they had two more losses, they wouldn't be in the top five. So they're they're sitting at the top right now by circumstance. They they beat a Kansas team when they didn't have their best player. Michigan State. They're they're you, I mean they have an incredible resume. They've beaten a lot of good teams, right? So, but I mean you look at but their losses are Indiana, Wisconsin, who had who were down two starters essentially. They got smoked by Purdue. I, I mean I don't know. I would be I understand that the season's not over. I get that you know. But I'm I'm thinking that so far, if I'm a Michigan State fan, this this season has fallen a little bit below how I thought things were going to go i think you would have thought cassius winston was just going to take over most of the games that were tough especially on the road and that we were going to be you know we're going to be in the top 10 top five the whole season and clearly that's not how it's panned out so far but let me let me tell you why they're not disappointed or they shouldn't be disappointed it's because of izzo's tournament history right and sure. so like sure. I, I, you can always rely on izzo getting to a final four once every what four or five years so you're right 
I guess maybe there was a, a point or a juncture where if I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm like, these losses are super aggravating. They're very frustrating. But then you take a step back and you say, well, Tom Izzo gets my teams to the Final Fours very often. So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I guess for a regular season, if you want to really nitpick and get be pissed about something, you could. But they're always in it for the long haul. They play the long game. And, I mean, if this was if this was another team, let's say Arizona, who hasn't made the Final Four in – since 2001 yeah i'd be pretty upset and i'd be uh, i'd be pretty you know apprehensive about an ominous future here heading into the tournament but michigan state fans i don't think they have much to worry about considering their uh their tournament prowess also luann pipkins more automatic than a jackson mahomes tiktok after a chiefs one how about that wow okay sure we'll give that to you i'll give that to you i'll take it i are you are there any teams that you can think of you know that you would be potentially disappointed in how the season has gone like maybe michigan now florida after florida, florida. yeah okay and then uh, michigan ohio is kinda, state yeah actually no, no, nobody nobody thought ohio state was going to be like they were ranked but nobody really knew anything about them outside of fat wesson virginia oh, Vir- well so are we what's the pre-season basis of rank, yeah. pre-season Starting rankings pre-season yeah rankings, right in virginia maybe but I think that their ranking was a little hollow just becoming off of what last year, you know, I yeah. didn't, they definitely don't have the talent that they had last year, but I, I think you, you know, say I, Carolina. I, yeah. Did, did anyone really think say, Carolina would be this awful? Right. I don't think you can say Michigan state without saying Kentucky either. Kentucky certainly don't look dominant out there. No, no. I think it's interesting that, you know, pretty much since the point we said, I mean, that this Michigan team, they're pretty much, I mean, I said it, but I think it was pretty much everyone's thought was, oh, this, this team's in the tournament. You know, they had the, like the three, they had the three best wins of any teams uh, in a row, essentially at the beginning of the year. And they straight up might not make the tournament. I mean, what's their record now? It's certainly not good. Uh, They got, they eked out a win against Rutgers. Are they actually a pretty decent win? They're just only barely above 500, though, now, aren't Rutgers they? Rutgers sucks. Oh, they're 13 and 8. Okay, yeah, they're Have 13 some fucking and 8. Fun. But... Rutgers sucks. First time that I... they've been ranked in, like, 40 years. You know, they suck. It's such a party pooper, man. Enjoy oh, yeah. the ride. I, I, I want to be able to like him. I love Geo Baker. I love the way he plays. He's almost like a taller, skinnier, you know, Carson Edwards-type jump shooter, heat-checking all the time, just not nearly as good as Carson Edwards. Sub, I will say though your Illinois and Underwood prediction. I know we literally talked about this ad nauseum, but the fact that they're tied for the lead in the Big Ten is just absurd to me. I mean, that's out of no, nowhere, essentially. Ao Dasunmu is fucking awesome. Great coach. <laughs> yeah. Great coach. He he did a also just complete side note, but. Fox College Hoops, before these games, they do like a pregame special. They sit down with these coaches. Like they've done Jay Wright. They've done Cooley. They've done now Underwood. And they got like – they don't have their regular guys interviewing them. It's not like Casey Jacobson or Steve Lavin or anyone like that. It's like Dylan Schefter and they got Cooper Manning. What connection is Cooper Manning having yeah. with, with Brad Underwood? It was fascinating to watch, but I was like, what, what is happening here? Oh, I uh, I was sorry. We can go back to that and say I was thinking Washington was my other team. I was thinking having huge disappointment from how the season has turned out. Obviously, they lost Green, but the preseason expectations were 
not to have him anyway. I mean, they're just bad. They're they're last place in the Pac-12. They're yeah. like 12 and 11. So, How do you think Oklahoma State is feeling right now, the fact that they let Underwood walk out that door? And they're over, winless. Over like they're, chump change. Yeah, they're terrible. They're winless in conference, right? Underwood is like a flyover state's guy, too. Like yep. he's Kansas, Oklahoma, you know, the Plains. He would have been, and they just let him leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It, o- o- Oklahoma State is un- is winless in conference and 10 and 11 on the year. Did they and- let him leave or did he leave like on his own volition? Because he, he signed, he was with them for a year. And no, like, oh, he I'm just out. took a, yeah. Well, I think he wanted a raise and they didn't give him a, like the old, uh, what Rick Barnes was doing with UCLA this offseason. I said like you gotta you gotta pony up sometimes, you know. Yeah. Speaking of him being a plains guy, that was actually one of the questions Cooper Manning asked. Like, you like steak? He's like, I like a nice porterhouse. Just seems like a meat and potatoes type of guy, Brad Underwood. He's got the stomach for it as well. But uh, yeah, I, I, Oklahoma State. You want to talk about disappointing teams? Obviously, they weren't preseason ranked. It's not like they got a ton of hype. But Mike Boynton, and then they got in. They got this new recruit. I think a five-star recruit coming in next year. But Lindy Waters was supposed to take that next step. Oklahoma State's not very good. I'm actually disappointed in them as well. Yeah, I mean they made the they made the tournament last year with Underwood, and uh, yeah, like you said, they weren't supposed to be awesome. But the fact that you're winless in conference is halfway through. It's just not good. Not good yeah. at all. No, I agree. Uh, a couple other news and notes from this past weekend. Bowling Green, I'm going to officially on this on the air right now, officially stamp them as a team that I may very well pick as an upset win. Like I could see Bowling Green uh, first weekend as a 14 seed beating West Virginia as a three seed. I uh, watched them this past weekend. They look very good in Buffalo. Three of their losses, though, this is the only thing that's giving me pause. They have five losses on the year. Only one of them was a true road game, and that was in Baton Rouge to, I think now we can all agree, LSU is a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've certainly rebounded, and they're sitting atop the SEC. But that's their only true road loss. Three, They have three other losses, Bowling Green does, that are on a neutral court. So that doesn't necessarily pan out too well when you're looking to get victories in the NCAA tournament. But Bowling Green, keep an eye out for them. Uh, and also Tulsa. Tulsa is, I think, sitting atop the AAC, aren't they? Uh, they are Frank Haith's boys are playing very well. And we mentioned Frank Haith in just a couple weeks ago uh, as it pertains to his tenure at Miami, but he's really resurrected his, himself here in this Tulsa program. Yeah. They was that last week when they just absolutely crushed Memphis. Oh yeah. They beat them by like 40. Right. Uh, you know, that conference is strange. It, it certainly hasn't exactly uh, worked out how um, I thought it was going to with, obviously Tulsa being on top. I can tell you a team that I am not a believer in at all. I think they're easy. I can't believe that there are people, teams that are that they're in the top 25 is Houston. If they are just atrocious to watch. They're just n- no fun to watch at all. They're the classic like super athletic but nobody has any skill at all. You got uh uh Jero, who bit a dude's leg this week or this weekend. And got kicked out of the game. Like, why are you biting someone's leg in the middle of a game? That's ridiculous. I am not a believer. You know, they're seven and two in conference and seventeen and five overall and ranked top in the top twenty-five. But I am absolutely not a believer in Houston at all. Taylor, is there a direct correlation between your level of enjoyment watching the Cougars play and a certain superstar that plays at the professional level in Houston? 
No. And your thoughts on him? No, actually, I have always really liked uh, Houston sports to bet on specifically because they usually put up a lot of numbers. And so I like that. But no, it has nothing to do with uh, uh, a six foot five guy that puts up a lot of numbers for the professional team there that just plays the least fun version of basketball I've ever watched in my life. Shark, do you have any uh, teams that will probably be ranked on the 13 through 16 line that you're confident or somewhat confident in pulling off an upset? Oh, 13, 16 in uh, March Madness. That yeah. is so like, okay. Yeah. Um, I would say probably Vermont. I think if they, find their way back in again just because they're going to have Anthony Lamb and they're just they're always kind of one of those teams that um, I don't know I'm not sure what their record is I mean it doesn't really matter what your record is in those type of conferences you just got to win your conference championship but I like Vermont Uh, to, to go on Houston a little bit Houston is really the type of team that does well in the tournament historically like when they had rob gray and the guy last year Corey davis jr where they just have one guard that can completely take over a game uh, i know they beat ohio state in the tournament last year just because they play such good defense the problem with houston this year is they don't have that guard that can score so yeah Taylor, you're right. right in that it is tough to watch them um but it is a it is a vintage excuse me a lot of burps today monday <laughs> after the super bowl like we're all gassy Three dumps before noon today. It was like, oh, um, <laughs> good sorry God. about that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's no Rob Gray on Houston. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cannot replace a Rob Gray <laughs> and that ponytail. Yeah. Uh, ponytail or man bun? I man bun. can't even. Samurai thing. Samurai bun. So, I like uh, I like Wright State in the Horizon League there. They're like 19-5. and five. Uh, They did just lose to Wisconsin Green Bay this last week. Um and then Liberty is really good as well. They're, I think they're, were they, they may have been the first team. Do they have twenty wins? Were they the first team to twenty wins this year? Yeah, they have. They're twenty-one and three on the year. Liberty is, and I think they were. I think they're the only team in college basketball that's made it to twenty wins. Maybe Gonzaga. No, Dayton has, and maybe Gonzaga has at this point. But yeah, I like Liberty a lot, and I really just want an excuse to for an extra week in the tournament to say Liberty, 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 Liberty. Sue, have you seen that commercial? Yes, Limu Emu. <laughs> I know all about that, and that shit goes on so often. But Liberty is a fan favorite, or my personal favorite, in terms of picking for the Jerome. I feel. What are they in the A Sun, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, Atlantic Sun. Yeah, I, I like Liberty as well. In terms of Wright State, interesting you mentioned that. You guys know where Wright State's located? In like, oh, I do. Oh, they're in Dayton, Ohio. So if Wright State is able to pull off an upset, and we're all banking on Obi Toppin and the boys going far in the tournament, could be a hell of a time for Daytonians. So I have a, a little. Uh, stat for you about Dayton, you know, because they're still kind of being underrated, not in the polls, but nobody's still, I don't think, is talking about them very much. Um, you know that they right now have the are the most efficient team in college basketball history uh, from inside the uh, inside the three point line. They're shooting like sixty three and a half percent from two point range this year. I didn't know that. Mike Sell and Toppin, baby. I that's, love those two guys. I mean, but that's a ridiculous number. Uh, only like Princeton in 1999 has a either a higher number. I think now they went over that number now this this, this last week or this last Saturday. So that's an 
when you're looking at reasons to why to pick a team to go far in the tournament, you know, because you can have a bad shooting night from three. We, every a lot of teams lose in the tournament because of that. But if you're reliant and you're you're making sixty four percent of your twos, and that's where you, most of your game come from, that's a game that that in my opinion travels anywhere. It doesn't. You don't care. The shooter doesn't need a lot of backdrop when you're only taking six footers and eight footers <laughs> the whole you know the whole game. Or Obi Toppin's just dunking on everybody. Those are pretty efficient shots. So yeah. that was a pretty interesting nugget I came across this week that they are having like a historically efficient season from inside the arc. I'm excited for Toppin's first tip slam in the in the tournament. That's some alliteration for you fellows right there. <laughs> uh, before we get to segments few other news and notes kentucky loses a hard-fought game on the road uh, to auburn hug for mike burgomaster friend of the program hopefully we'll have him on next episode texas tech now they have a, a sizable amount of losses i think they have like seven or eight losses but if you really look at it they are not as bad as their record states they're i think two or three possessions away from being a top 10 team and of course they still have chris beard I'm not losing faith in Texas Tech, and I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to pen them in my bracket to within a minute of winning a national title. But I could still see them if the if the bracket breaks in their direction, back to their third consecutive Elite Eight. Shark, any any thoughts on Texas Tech and Beard and and that Kansas game? They they I can't figure that team out. Like they they're only going to go as far as Davide Moretti takes them which is kind of a shocking thing to say because like you wouldn't think that your offense is going to run through him but like when he's not shooting well the team can't score points so uh they need that little italian to fire it up or else they're offensively they're just atrocious and it's going to be tough to put all the pressure on their five-star recruit that their highest ranked recruit i'm forgetting his name right now uh uh, yeah. Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey. Hyph- yeah, Ramsey, Jaw, 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 Ramsey. Let's go. He's, he's pretty nasty, but he's sick. Right. Like, yeah, you can't you can't put too much on him. Exactly. No. You know, Subi, to your point there, if you look at their losses, some of their losses didn't look good at the time. You know, like they had a three lot game stretch early in the year where they lost to Iowa, Creighton, and DePaul. Well, DePaul's fallen off at the time where they playing great basketball, and Iowa and Creighton are now top twenty teams. You look at some of their other losses: Baylor, West Virginia. Kentucky, Kansas, and all by like, yeah, three points, two points, th- four points. And, you know, their two bad losses are at TCU um, and then probably that DePaul game, you would say. But, yeah, it's crazy that they have eight losses, but I don't – you're exactly right. I don't think really any less of them, even as they continue to lose some games, because I think that they're just in so many games. They They remind me a little bit of how I think about – uh, Arizona this year in a way. Whereas like, they're like four possessions from having four more wins. And I would say, you know, obviously Texas Tech went to the final four last year or national championship game. So they have that experience that say a team like Arizona doesn't. So that comp isn't exactly accurate, but they're one of those teams that you look and they're like, yeah, they make four more buckets and they're a top 10 team. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how their season unfolds here in the last month before we get into March and conference tournament play and obviously NCAA tournament play. With that said, let's get a quick message from Zach at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, time to finish it off with hugs and where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Taylor, you're up, my friend. So I was trying to look for uh, someone from the state of Missouri this week 
uh, just because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, you know. Kansas, and, if, you're, if you're Donald Trump, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, so I found there is, there is a Kansas City, Kansas. Like, yes, I yes, yeah. no, uh, no, I, I do. Know that, but you, you know where Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs play? I do. I've been there. I okay. Cowan Lake District. You remember yeah. I called that out in one of those episodes a while ago? That's where yeah. you're celebrating. The whole yeah, where what's his, where our boy got married. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, in another where am I that we did. Yeah. Uh, but yes, my aunt and uncle live in Overland Park, Kansas, and I'm sure celebrating was happening there. But anyway, I found uh, I found a kid, let's call him, uh, from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And that's Ben Hansbro, Tyler's younger brother, who actually, I didn't even realize that Ben Hansbro played a, a 28 games in the NBA. Forgot that he was on the Pacers with his brother there for uh, a minute. But so, uh, and I was also surprised that um, I forgot that he was uh, Big East Player of the Year, too. When Yeah, he was nasty. He won Player yeah. of the Year? Yeah. I thought, I knew he was good, like first team, whatever. But he was all, he was Player of the Year in the Big East in 2011. And that's when, uh, you know, obviously Notre Dame was... Where that yeah, going through their you know bi yearly conference change essentially. Um, but so, uh, Ben Hansbro he, he bounced around in Europe for about a year or two, um, and then he actually became a uh coach for Western Kentucky, and then he got a DUI and resigned from his coach spot at Western Kentucky, which I didn't realize until the last minute of me looking him up for this segment. But um, he is now uh, a realtor. In Bowling Green, Kentucky. Speaking of Bowling Green, uh, him, Oliver and Hansbro Development. I don't know if he's the development or the realtor. I believe he's a realtor. So says his Instagram. The funniest part of this to me, though, is that if you're going to, as a realtor, right, there's a lot of fake it till you make it, or any industry, but especially in real estate, everything needs to look like you know what you're doing, right? Using your Notre Dame email as your contact point for your real estate business in Bowling Green, Kentucky, maybe not the best play to still be using your student email from 10 years ago. Uh, I've just thrown that out there. I, I don't think a lot of people would be emailing uh, tdamel at email.arizona.edu for their real estate advice, you know? So, uh, yeah, so Ben Hansbro, there you go. Bowling Green, Kentucky's finest home developer that's hilarious See, maybe. i disagree there like he's putting notre dame in there saying yeah. like if you're buying at home oh this guy's ben hansbro is he the same one that played there for yeah a okay while sure yeah. yeah right and Immediate that's my recognition it's funny you say that because i always think to myself you know okay so any sales job or anything like that you have to build a base okay how do i how do i you know make sure i get people how do i gain notoriety if you're a former college athlete it's easy you know oh yeah he's big enough that people know him that oh you know what we could call it ben hansbro for our real estate services you know it's like is it's he, like is he big enough though because i feel like people are gonna say they hear hansbro ben hansbro and they're like i wonder if he's related to tyler hansbro and then he was a white point guard at notre dame those are a dime a dozen i feel like in bowling green i think it's big enough i think it's, it's a big enough name i mean that's a basketball town and notre dame so it's like speaking of like people from the who's a realtor here in Scottsdale and puts up billboards around that says the rear holding a rose. Yeah, okay. How many people do you think he's on the back? A thousand, you know, 
that's Ben Ben Hansborough is the Bowling Green's <laughs> version of that, I guess. The Hansborough brothers are an interesting tandem right there because you got Tyler Hansborough, who's like the all-time free throw leader, I think, in ACC history, something like that. I mean, he's an all-time college basketball great. Sure. And you got Ben Hansborough. Both of them, like you said, played in the league. Tyler made a little bit more of an imprint. Uh, but they kind of <laughs> just faded away in terms of like how great they were, respectively. You had mentioned that Ben Hansborough won – Big East Player of the Year, uh, Tyler obviously I think won a couple or won one, he, and he was National ACC. Player of the Year too. Yeah, National yeah. Player of the Year. Uh, it, it's very very interesting case there. But good good. Where am I, Shark? Uh, you feeling generous tonight? Any hugs? My hug is a kind of a somber hug. I'm giving it to Mac McClung, Georgetown. He was out yesterday with a mysterious foot injury against St. John's, where Georgetown was able to come back and win a win a tight one. But I got a bad feeling about this foot injury. They're being kind of quiet about it. And Patrick Ewing is suggesting that he doesn't know how long he's going to be out for. And the reason it's a hug is I'm realizing, you know, we're two seasons down now at this point with Mac McClung. And we don't have a tournament yet. I would have liked to have seen one so far just so we can get this guy more on the national stage. And we're running out of opportunities. A season that started with so much optimism, then the James Akinjo transfer, and then an, I forget their other really good player. I think he has a French name or something. Yeah, now LeBlanc. LeBlanc, thank you. Yeah, yeah that's like the most quintessential French name. Uh, and then this McClung injury, no bueno for the boys in Georgetown. Weird year. Weird year for Georgetown. Weird year yeah. indeed. Taylor, hug. So I have a hug for uh, Appalachian State's basketball team who lost a game to Little Rock this year or this last Saturday with an all-time crazy stat line or box score to lose a game. They shot 73% from the field and 63% from three and lost to Little Rock, 93 to 86. So you would think, right, you would think, right, oh, they must have turned the ball over a lot. Nope, 15 turnovers. Only four more than than Little Rock. Oh, well, they must have gotten out-rebounded. Nope. Only got out-rebounded by four. Uh, They had similar amount of steals all the way across the board. It's one of those games where you had to have watched it to figure out, which I didn't, obviously, but how does a team lose when they shoot 73% from the field and 63% from three and 71% from the line, too? So, uh Hug to them because it's it's tough to make a lot more buckets than you know they only missed twelve buckets the whole game. You know when they say they say burn the tape. I think you just got to burn the paper that the box score was printed on. That would just drive me insane. Right? Like what is the coach saying or showing them on their offensive tape film session the next day? Uh, Like just do exactly what you did. Like don't change a thing. We're shooting seventy three percent from the field. Defensively though, maybe uh, you know they did they did allow Little Rock to shoot sixty one percent from the field which isn't ideal, but still, that's a crazy stat line to lose when you made three-fourths of your buckets. Yeah. All right. My hug is for Elijah Joyner of Tulsa. Joyner hit the game winner uh, with his dad in attendance for the first time ever. Joyner then broke down in the press con- in the post-game press conference, which I thought was a fantastic uh, outpouring of emotion for my money. Might, might be the best item or thing in college basketball this year. So hug for Elijah Joyner in, in hitting that game winner. Again, it's there's something additional about it, though, especially on the heels of the of, of Kobe's passing. And then also he's contributing to a really good team in Tulsa. So that was a huge win for, for the Golden Hurricane. So hug to you, Elijah Joyner. 
that is all we have this episode. Hopefully, next episode we'll have Burgo on. We can discuss. Uh, we could discuss the Auburn victory over Kentucky and how they're rounding into form. There was an unreal quote from from uh, Bruce Pearl in the pregame pump up speech that he had. I'm I'm forgetting it now. It's like today's a good day to be great. Something like that. I don't know. It just wasn't very coachy speak, but fixing, fixing to do something, right? Fixing to have a great day or something like that. Yeah, it was perfect Pearl. So we will catch you next time here on theater and college hoops. Don't sleep on Texas tonight. There it is. (laughs) God damn it. Up and dust yourself off and back in the saddle. You're on the front line, everyone's watching. You know it's serious, we're getting closer. This isn't over. The pressure's off, you feel it. for Africa. Tell me